I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, beautiful listeners. Welcome back to another week of sexual alchemy. We are in April, and as I discussed last week, we will be hearing from professionals in the space of mental health and sexual health and wellness and the integration of all of the above over the course of the month of April. And I'm just really excited that this can be my focus at this time. It feels alive for me. I hope it feels alive for you. And I have had some really fascinating conversations and I'm just really excited to be able to share them all with you. Today's conversation is with an individual named Valentin Soma, and he is an intimacy coach with a business called Awake and Sexy. And Valentin is an IFS trained intimacy coach. I had some trouble with this at the beginning of the episode. It is internal family systems, not international, but it is a wonderful system that I learned about from a woman that I sat in ceremony with last summer. And when I stumbled upon Valentin on Instagram, I knew I needed to be able to speak with him. IFS is an evidence-based therapy approach that recognizes the multiplicity of the mind. And he's going to do a beautiful job explaining that to you in today's episode. His work, his purpose is to help mindful humans love all of their inner parts and their partners better by moving toward more self-acceptance within and more intentionally with others. Valentin's also an avid dancer and meditator. And in what feels like his previous life, he tells us today that he got his PhD in economics from Columbia and worked in management consulting prior to the journey that he's been on the last number of years. So enjoy this second part in the series around mental and sexual health that we'll be putting out this month. And I hope you feel as impacted by the conversation with Valentin as I did. And I'll see you on the other side. Well, after a little bit of technical difficulty, we're getting this conversation going. So thank you for your patience, Valentin. You're welcome. No worries. Oh, well, it's so good to speak with you. As my audience knows, the month of April on sexual alchemy, I'm going to be focusing on speaking with people who are in the professional space of whether it be sexual wellness, mental wellness, health, all of those things. And I've been following you for a bit of time on Instagram and and have just really been drawn to the work that you are doing. Um, I know you will describe it much better to the listeners than I could myself, but I stumbled upon you in the space of wellness and sexuality and mental health. And you are engaged in a type of therapy called international family systems. And this Inter- is something- internal. Say that again. Internal family systems. Internal family systems. Yeah. Thank you for that correction. Okay. Um, and it is something that I was introduced to not even a year ago 
But when I was journeying with ayahuasca in Mexico, there was a woman there who taught me a lot about her practice Mm -hmm. and it just made so much sense. So I know normally I want to dig in with personal stuff, but with you, I'd like to even just put a framework around the work that you are doing and the studies that you're in with internal family systems and let us know a little bit more about it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for, first, thank you for the invite and, and, and being here and yeah, talking about both mental health and sexuality are two topics very dear to my heart. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a coach uh, specifically helping people on intimacy. And the main modality that I use with my client is, as you said, um, IFS, internal family systems. So the, the main idea, and I, and I got trained in it uh, this past year. And so the main idea of, of IFS is to recognize that we're all made of parts. Right. And, and what do we mean by parts? Uh, it's simply who you are when you talk to me right now, when you're running the podcast, you have like an interviewer side of you that's showing up, maybe different from who you are when you're with part, your partner, maybe different from who you are when you're driving around town and maybe also different from when you're driving around town and someone cuts you suddenly. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you, maybe you see red and then you're like sure. saying words, saying words that you would not have suspected. And it really feels like, if you pay attention, it really feels like there's a different you in the driving seat at every single moment, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what we call parts, right? Yeah. We're not making any statement on what they are, but th- that's what we mean. And also when you're conflicted about the decision, oh, parts of me wants to do this, parts of me uh, actually would rather do that. That's also different. what we mean by different parts showing up, okay? And for most of us, that works out fine. fine. Like mm-hmm. we go, as we go through our days, different parts take over different moments and all that is great. For some people, and <laughs> I rank high on this list, uh, or at least used to, um, sometimes it's challenging. Uh, and some of the parts that show up have very overwhelming emotions, uh, or they might have behaviors that are damaging to the rest of your life, right? If you, when you're triggered, as you say, if you snap at your partner, uh, that might damage your relationship. Or if you have any compulsive behavior, whether that's work or substance, right? That might also be damaging to the rest of your life. Um, and so the, the key idea is to help you build compassionate, trusting, loving relationships with all of those parts of your psyche mm. so that they don't feel the need to take over as much anymore. And you get more room to choose how to uh, react instead of being on autopilot and being ruled by those various parts. And as we get curious about them, as we get to know them better, very often we're able to eventually access the core wound that they're protecting the core feelings that are trying to push away from your awareness and which is the reason why they're soothing your system through anger or they're avoiding the feelings through numbing behaviors and things like that yeah Yeah. one of the things that i remember being so struck by when this woman was telling me about ifs was the idea that we also get to give gratitude to, and as you said, compassion for these parts of ourselves that have shown up throughout our lives. And it may be in ways that are perceived as ugly, Mm -hmm. jealousy, insecurities, or lots of other ways, but they're, they're things that we've been shamed for oftentimes, or things that we feel shame about experiencing. But what she was telling me about this whole way of viewing these parts of ourselves is that if we 
can give gratitude to them and thank them for taking care of us in a sense that they feel less shadowy, less shameful, and then they become integrated in a way that we can really live with them in harmony. And I'm hearing you say that, but maybe you can say more. Yeah. So maybe it'd be helpful to say a little bit about the content of the model. There's kind of two big categories of parts. Okay. Two big categories of extreme parts, which are the ones that will show up in your coaching and your therapy. Yeah. The, the protectors and the exiles. Yes. And so, and so the exiles are those strong emotions that were so big. I mean, the exiles are the part of you who hold those strong emotions that were so big that they were overwhelming at a certain time in your life. Yeah. Could be shame, could be terror. A lot of them boils down to fear and shame. Yeah, uh, yeah. But other things could be exiled as well, like anger and things like that. And then you have the protectors, the parts that are doing all the things they do in order for you not to feel those feelings. And they've learned those behaviors. They have learned those mechanisms in moments when this was the only thing you had access to. And most of our suffering as adults comes from those outdated beliefs or, 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 or mechanisms that they've just acquired. And they're convinced, those parts of you are convinced they have to keep doing what they're doing. Otherwise, you are going to feel that shame again. Mm. And so every time that the shame starts appearing, even in the slimmest way in your life, the anger is going to storm in, right? Things like that. And as you get, so I'm sure a lot of the listeners, when they hear you say things like, oh, well, if you develop gratitude for these parts, then they're going to feel better. And they're like, well, okay, thank you. But this part is winning my life right now, right? Right. right. Uh, so the way you develop that true gratitude, like that, that and it usually starts with appreciation before gratitude or before compassion, mm-hmm. is by getting curious about that part. Yeah. So say, say this angry part, trying to turn towards it and, and being like, First, I see you, I acknowledge you. That can already be a shift compared to trying to ignore the anger or push it away or things like that. Trying to acknowledge it and then getting curious, like, what are you afraid would happen if I was not angry? And as those parts of you, and and an IFS session can look like a conversation, but for the clients who have maybe a meditation practice or are more used to doing inner work, it really looks like guided meditation or, or... hypnosis like even if i don't invite that people end up closing their eyes by themselves and and going inside Uh, and by developing by getting curious by asking those questions uh, and and getting to know the parts better you start the part of you actually starts showing you what it did for you Mm. and what it was pushing away and what it what shifted in your life thanks to this part yeah and in those moments you start (laughs) Often, it can take time, but eventually you always, when you start understanding what the part is trying to do, yeah. and, and I really mean it's intent, right? Because it's impact, usually that's why you didn't like it in the first place. But it's original intent when you start seeing that and really understanding that there's such appreciation that get built for the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's often one of the first steps in building that relationship with those parts. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing to think about all of that. And I also have to imagine that for you, getting interested in this type of work was probably part of a journey for you. It was. That it's not something you grew up knowing, you know, this is the work that I'm passionate about. A lot Mm -hmm. of times when we are led to things like this, it's because of situations and circumstances in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to just kind of hand it over to you a bit to discuss or talk about 
you know, a little bit about you and your journey and, and what did bring you to the point where you have interest here and all the pieces of, of mm-hmm. who Valentin is, all yeah. the parts. So I'm not sure we're going to cover all of them, but <laughs> I, I, can give a, I can give a few highlights. Um, and maybe I'll start by the end. Like why the reason I'm so passionate about AFS is because of everything I've encountered in the past five years or so of my life since I started my own journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really the modality that helped me the most, was the most actionable, and helped me make sense of everything else I had been through before. All of the other things I had tried, why some worked and why others did not. Uh, and, and, and so that's why for me, it's just, at least for my own personal psyche, my own personal experience of my everyday life and my own healing, mm-hmm. uh, it's really a, a level above everything else I've encountered. Yeah. Uh, and so the journey of healing started about five years ago. The journey of not feeling great started about 10 years ago. Sure. <laughs> we need <laughs> uh, to have that before yeah, we can and, healing. And in the, yeah, about 10 years ago, so for me, intimacy, romantic relationships have been both the trigger and the healing ground. Uh, and about 10 years ago, uh, I started having crazy anxiety attacks in the presence of my girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I call it an anxiety attack because it feels different from panic for me, but the intensity of it on my system was, was that. Like stomach falling in the, in the feet, no idea why it was happening. That was one of the challenging things. Like, I could tell it was happening when I was seeing my girlfriend or thinking about her. I could tell, but you know, when you have an exam, you know, you're stressed because of the exam, right? Like it's not just that you see, oh, whenever there's exam, there's stress. It also feels connected. And those anxiety attacks felt completely out of the blue. Um, and, and that led to severe depression with that partner, even though I, because I tried staying for a few months I ended up breaking up. Uh, and then with the following partner, it happened even faster. <laughs> and then it kept happening faster and faster until when I would get coffee with someone I was interested in, I would start getting anxious the same way. Not necessarily the same level of the time, but like the feeling would start showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did talk therapy at the time. It was helpful for crisis management. It was completely un- unhelpful otherwise. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, like, even within what things like IFS, though you're actually just talking to the person in front of you, it's not considered to be basic talk therapy because it's actually a modality and it's very experiential. You focus on body sensations a lot. You're not just talking about your problem. You're going inside in a very particular kind of way. Mm-hmm. But I, I know, I, I mean, <laughs> I come from very scientific background. I, even go, the idea of going to therapy was somehow threatening for me uh, initially. Yeah. So I had no idea about any of that and talk therapy never helps. And then medication, very scary for me. Uh, I was afraid of having to depend on something outside and then not knowing how I actually feel and things like that. So I, I was too scared to ever go there. Yeah. Uh, though it was offered to me, it, I was asked a few times if I was interested in that, if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, so I... Was tough <laughs> to put yeah. it mildly, um, especially since so much of my the way I was going through my everyday life when I was single, mm-hmm. most of the things I was thinking about was like making connections and 
and flirting, meeting people and things like that. And so knowing that this is all I think about on the one hand, but then when I, once I have it, I feel those anxiety attacks and I have no idea why it was just extremely confusing on top. You know, if you've heard me talk about parts at the beginning of this interview, you <laughs> see why that framework <laughs> ended up being so powerful for me. One of the many reasons. And then about five years ago, uh, I was seeing someone, the anxiety was here too, but like it was a little different. So I managed to get closer to this person and they wanted to explore um, Neo-Tantra. So, I mean, I'm sure you listeners know what that is. <laughs> well, maybe uh, not actually, but. <laughs> so they, I define it as the mindful approach to sexuality overall. And that can go f- anywhere from becoming a better lover uh, to using sexuality as a tool for psychological healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and encountering that, and at the time I had never done any psychedelics. Uh, my only experience of an altered state of consciousness was um, alcohol, right? <laughs> Which is not altered in a very insightful way. <laughs> uh, and I, through some of the experiences I had through discovering and exploring Neo Tantra, I had for the first time deeper experiences of like the door of deep buried material opening and things coming up. And I also saw the impact it had on others, sometimes literally wiping out symptoms of past trauma mm-hmm. overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, not always, right? And, and, sure. and the world of Tantra is also ripe with its own set of abuse and power imbalances that are not addressed and things like that. It's not all pink yeah. and wonderful. Absolutely. But for me, who had no idea that any of that was possible, uh, that was pretty mind-blowing and it felt like until that point in my life I'd been living in 2Ds and suddenly I was discovering the third dimension right yeah uh, and and around the same time I also discovered mindfulness mm. um, and so the two and I started developing my own meditation practice um, so the two have always been very intertwined for me um, and and that theme of like spirituality or healing and sexuality being linked yeah. uh, really stayed with me even though most of what I offer today is not directly centered in sexuality um, and, and then that started this path, yeah. <laughs> uh, which led me to many other things, including psychedelics, yeah. um, and all the way until skipping to the, not the end, but the last big relevant point, uh, experiencing MDMA assisted therapy uh, a couple of years ago, uh, which was of all the things I've encountered for myself, the single most healing modality. Uh, and it's the first time and so like things like tantra and then through tantra getting curious about sex positivity about kink just exploring most of more of my desires overall the sets of situations it was in which i was feeling anxious just shrunk a little bit just because i was in a more exploratory fun Mm -hmm. state Mm -hmm. Um, and with mindfulness uh, the when the anxiety was here I was just better able to cope with it. Stopped, I stopped thinking I was broken because of that. Um, I was just de- learning how to develop space. But like nothing could crack that core, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's only about two years ago that encountering MDMA therapy, uh, it was the first time that something cracked in that black core at the center. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, those adult feelings starting to be mapped on experiences from childhood. Mm. And around the same time, and like between age zero and six, yeah. 
like I've had memories come up of things I didn't know you could remember. Yeah. Um, and from around the same time, yes, yeah, I'm slowing down because just <laughs> talking about it is bringing that up. Sure. Um, around the same time, I was in Canada IFS. And as I was saying, um, the beauty of IFS for me was one, it was the first time I was encountering a model of what the mind is and what healing is mm -hmm. that actually matched really, really well my own inner experiences. That feeling of being made of parts, what healing is, which is relating to one of those parts with compassion to be able to reintegrate it, as you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, it described exactly this process that happens spontaneously uh, during MDMA journeys. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was also explaining, looking back, why some of the modalities worked for me and others did not. Yeah. So coming, I'm coming from a very scientific background. Like I went to engineering school back in France. I have a PhD in economics. That's why I moved to the US in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I used to work a very corporate job uh, around the time that I encountered Anya Tantra for the first time. Um, and even though I was seeing practices like mindfulness and Tantra working really well, the esoteric beliefs and the why behind, yeah. I wasn't really convinced by very often. And also it, of, it often felt like the last person who talked was right because all of those people speak really well about what they do. Yeah. But there was just no like unifying model that really helped with all of that and HIFS really did that for me by thinking about the model as those parts right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the thing I didn't ex mention explicitly earlier is uh, in AFS there's this concept of self with a capital S mm -hmm. which is not really a part of you it's more this underlying energy underneath all of the parts which has qualities such as uh, curiosity compassion confidence connection calm uh, they call it the eight C's. I don't know which yeah. three I'm forgetting right now. Uh, and that maps again on that maps well onto things like Buddhism or new, or Hinduism, like no self in Buddhism, Atman mm -hmm. in in uh, Hinduism, and things like that. And so what I love about it is like a, it's a Western way of implementing <laughs> those yeah. insights and getting people there faster. And and the key insight is when you try to relate with a part of you, when you try to heal it, when you try to that part of you who's angry when you try to let have it let it go of this anger. Mm -hmm. Are you relating to, with it from another part? Or are you relating with it while tapping into that self-energy? And how do we check for that? We just right. simple asking you, how do you feel toward that part right now? And you say if you're so you want to work on the angry part, you connect with it. And then I'm asking you, how do you feel toward the angry part? And maybe you say you're annoyed at it. Yeah. Okay, so there's another part of you right now who's annoyed at this anger. So let's see if we can ask the other part to step away, step aside. And the, often the part does that just from being asked. And what's left is the access to that self-energy. And, and looking back, that's why this modality worked for me and this one doesn't, or even though they were working for other people, was it able to allow you to access that self-energy or not? Yeah. Or were other parts in the way? And in IFS, if they're in the way, we just ask them whether they're willing to move aside or what they need to be able to move aside eventually. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very beautiful, gentle, uh, non-conforming uh, approach. There's no, yeah. we're going to break you open. There's no, you have to bypass your fears. Uh, yeah. 
and uh, I'm very passionate about it. So I know. I no, and I love the kind of way stuff. that you're speaking <laughs> yeah. about it. And I think it does seem so very gentle. And I think the way, at least within this culture in the United States, that that kind of gentleness with ourselves is not something that we're ingrained with, and it's not something mm-hmm. that we're taught. And so, I have to imagine, and I know, you know, you didn't necessarily grow up in the United States, but still having been through what you were from like a scientific perspective and the economics background and all of that, when you encountered the MDMA therapy and it moved things for you in a way that you didn't necessarily scientifically understand, but it, you felt it, it was that felt sense. And that can be very gentle. And then encountering this, it just, I'm just a little astonished at, at probably the transformation that your life has gone under in the last even two years since you discovered MDMA therapy and yeah. where you are now and the work that you're doing now. And I just think that the, the transformative power of, of treating yourself with kindness and compassion and gentleness. And it's not something that we are really given that much permission to, and it's not given much credence in mm-hmm. our society. So when you, when you talk about MDMA therapy and and whatever other journeys you have, Uh have experienced, is there a way that, I don't know, I'm just, I'm thinking about my listeners and for those who've never experienced that before, can you walk through obviously without kind of putting you in a vulnerable state and, you know, kind of asking you to recall your own experiences can you walk through my, with my listeners and walk the listeners through, you know, kind of what happens? Like when you say you're kind of cracked open a little bit, what is that? How, how is that happening? And what is that healing energy like, you know, how does that, how does that help? Yeah. All right. So for the people who might never have tried MDMA recreationally, the feeling of it is really this like heartwarming sensations or high rate feels in your body that you might have when you see someone you love for the first time in a while, or they do something adorable, or you see a puppy (laughs) and all all those kind of feelings that show up in your body. MDMA is just that jacked all the way up for five hours. Yeah. Um, And when you do that in the therapeutic context, what happens is all of that heart opening, forgiveness, empathy, love uh, has nowhere to go but within. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so in practice with nerds in the room, like MDMA is a serotonin releasing agent. So serotonin is a hormone that makes you feel happy, basically. Yeah. Probably more complex than that, but <laughs> at least it does that. Uh, and MDMA just releases all of this prefabricated stock in your brain at once. So you're like floating in that state, which is literally self-energy that I was describing earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the protective layers relax. Uh, all those protectors, those angry parts or snapping part or things like that, or compulsive part, relax. And that allows for buried exam material to come up in a way that feels safe to your system. And also if you go into an MDMA journey and if it's been prepared with IFS beforehand, 
a lot of the work that has been done was around checking in in advance with the protectors that they were okay doing that to minimize the chances of a backlash later. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you are in that space of like love and compassion for whomever shows up. Mm-hmm. And what's very fascinating uh, during the MDMA journey is that most of the parts of you who are going to show up are going to show up in what we call in IFS an unblended way. So it's not like it's going to take the driving seat of your car and be you for a bit. No, it's going to show up in front of you or, or you're going to feel it in your body or depends on whether you're sensory, kinetic, visual, like for everybody's different, but this experience of it showing up as distinct from you mm-hmm. and you're able to talk with it or communicate with it in that way. So that's just something that can happen while sober during an IFS session. That's exactly what we're trying to facilitate. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising how deep you can go while sober. I've had IFS sessions with the practitioner I work with for myself. I'm like shaking on the floor. Like it's, it's, and you, you can go really, really deep. Yeah. Um, and, and from that place of separateness, but that, that distance is filled with that compassion, with that curiosity, you're able to hear those parts, witness them, help them release the, those emotions that they carry and so on. And as you heal the exiles, as you heal the deep wounds, then the protectors realize they don't have to do what they're doing anymore. And everybody else in your system chooses on their own eventually to take on a new role, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the exiles are often the parts who are, so they're carrying the shame, they're carrying the fear, they're carrying the anger sometimes. And once they release that, they always invite qualities like playfulness, creativity, spontaneity, you know, like the liveliness overall. Because mm-hmm. of, often it's those parts who seem to uh, hang to those hard feelings first and get pushed away for that. Mm-hmm. And the protectors, maybe you had a very virulent inner critic, for instance. And once the exile was protecting is healed uh, or recovered, that inner critic might decide to become someone who's actually judging whether something is good for you, but in a collaborative way. Yeah. Uh, and as you build all of those relationships, whether through MDMA journeys or through IFS, this feeling of inner collaboration under the guidance of the self uh, just keeps increasing. It's so beautiful. I just had this vision. I don't know if you've heard of this film. I think it's a Pixar film called Inside Out yep. where people, I, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that movie must be like an IFS <laughs> kind of yeah. playbook. Inside Out, Encanto, and uh, what's the last one? I haven't that, seen Encanto yet. The Red, Red, Red Panda or Red, I can't remember, Seeing Red or Turning Red, I think. Okay. So I haven't seen the last one, but I know for a fact the first two are like, IFS informed I don't know if the people who did made them this movie know about IFS but they're definitely integrating in in the plot of the movies very important concepts of inner parts work in general yeah yeah absolutely so with the people that you're coaching Valentine then say somebody is coming to you with a lot of sexual shadow and shame around their expression around loving themselves for you know, whatever it may be, their expression, their container, their kink, their fetish, their identity. Mm -hmm. Is that, have you seen people kind of transform and be able to transmute some of that shadow and difficulty and shame into self-love and acceptance and embracing of their wholeness? Yes. 
So I'm, <laughs> I have a story right now that you're projecting uh, in that question, a path that people like you and I who went from having a lot of sexual shame or role to exploring a very sex positive life. <laughs> uh, I certainly very likely am projecting. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I'll, I'll just acknowledge, I haven't had a client that I was accompanying on that particular journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, often it's either people who are more quote unquote mainstream in their sexual life, but nonetheless sure. have their layers of shame and I've seen changes there. Yeah. Uh, or it's people who come to me because they already, already have that lifestyle. Uh, and are just struggling with any kind of issues that any person would struggle with, but it's just that because they they want to make sure they're talking to someone sex positive. Yeah. Uh, and so they come to me more than someone else. Uh, but, so I, I have yet to accompany someone on their journey from one to the other. Sure. <laughs> uh, but in both cases, I have seen, uh, yeah, like layers of sexual shame being released uh and and like uh, authorizing authorizing themselves to want more or or or, or do more or share more with their partners mm-hmm. and in the work i do so we talked a lot about ifs today and that's like the inward inward direction sure. but i also help people in the outward world uh being bring more intentionality with their partners in how they communicate what they want uh, thinking about conversation coming up offering perspective and reframe on situations of conflict at times or helping getting people through learning more about poly kink or any other topic uh, and so with clients we, we do the back and forth between the two so yeah I've more marginally than anything but the type of things we were describing uh, i've definitely witnessed many many times and i don't know why i'm thinking about this right now probably because we're on zoom and so we're doing this, you know, from a remote environment. Yeah. Can you work with your clients via these kind of remote modalities or? So I only see clients on Zoom for the IFS coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've actually, I have a few clients in New York now. Um, I'm based in Brooklyn and I've been thinking about receiving them directly in my space, but I also have roommates and that, and my landlord is on the first floor of my building as well. And it's just, it's a lot of logistics for now. Yeah. And for now, I, I think I'll stay remote. Yeah, uh, this works. So one of the things that I was initially drawn to you about are your Instagram reels. Like you mm-hmm. have you have this very relatable way of showing up and kind of being funny and self-deprecating, not self-deprecating necessarily, but just really putting yourself out there in a way to help people understand the topics you're talking about. And some of the ones probably just because it's a really alive conversation in my community that I'm a part of around consent and boundaries and things like that. That's really like some of the stuff that I was initially mm-hmm. drawn to you for and, and in that context. And I, just based on the way that you talk about it, I, I would love for you to share a little bit around either of those topics. And mm-hmm. I think they go together quite well as, as well. You know, what, what type of work is it that you are are doing within that space in your mm-hmm. coaching with folk? Yeah. So, hmm. so consent, consent and matters are just topics I love teaching about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that shows up occasionally in the coaching when people need reframe or help or understanding or thinking about a conversation they want to have or whether setting it's questions like, is this a boundary or not? Is this okay or not? So it's so mm-hmm. like, in those moments that shows up in the coaching. Um, 
but the two uh, general themes or approach that that uh, within I mean constant and binaries are like humongous <laughs> topics, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the, the the two things that that are really dear to my heart that I come back to a lot are so around boundaries and 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 active consent overall, really understanding what boundaries are, right? It's about anything that is yours, your time, your energy, your body, uh, your car. Like it's not just about sexuality. And so anything that's everything that's a no or limit on what is yours, that's where boundaries are. And I truly believe that they're non-negotiable. Um, and of course, they can also be weaponized in relationships and things like that. And that sure. there's, there's, there's more to that story, but like, okay, that's what boundaries are. And then consent overall is the active process through which we make sure everybody involved is still in touch with their desires and still in touch with their boundaries. And that there is clear communication on both those topics, whether verbal and nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that everybody feels safe, feels empowered, feels... Uh, yeah, has fun. So like the, the like the very theoretical nitty gritty things is one aspect that I like. Mm-hmm. And the other topic that I really, really like is okay, now that we understand what, what that is, can we also understand how to make consent sexy? And <laughs> so to be clear, I think consent is sexy, period. When someone checks in, I think it makes everybody feel safe. I think it's it's kind. I I'm the kind of person that arises already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for a lot of people it's shows up as something that they see on top of the rest. Oh, do, can, I want to kiss you. I have to ask you, oh, okay, is it okay if I kiss you? Okay, it kind of breaks the flow. Yeah. I'm convinced that if you think consent breaks the flow, if you think consent ruins the mood, it's because you don't have models of how sexy it can be and how much of a part. I think it's not understanding yet how much of an integral part of the play it is. Mm-hmm. And because it's a part of the play, it's something that you can use for seduction as well, right? The totally. same way cracking jokes can help you seduce people. The same way how you dance or how you give massage can help you seduce people, right? And so how you practice consent, how you make that sexy uh, is really a topic I'm passionate about and, and it seems to resonate a lot with, with people. So how do you make consent sexy? Yeah. Um, all right. So one example that, I mean, it's kind of my go-to, but I, I love it because I think it summarizes it. Um, if you, to make a request, right. To ask for permission for something, mm-hmm. uh, instead of saying, uh, can I kiss you right now? Maybe. So you're talking with someone, things get, you can tell this tension in the air, your body's getting increasingly a little bit closer. When you lean toward them, you notice them leaning toward looking upward, Okay, maybe from the point of body language, that's already a clear yes. But let's mm-hmm. say you want to practice consent really actively. You're serious about that. You would like a verbal check-in. Mm-hmm. You could, as I said, you could just say, "Can I kiss you right now?" And sure, that might takes a little bit away of that flow of chemistry, right? Now, let's say. Mm-hmm. But if instead you express the desire and then ask a question, which would sound like, "I'm really enjoying all of this, and I'd really like to kiss you right now." Mm-hmm. How would that feel? <laughs> Yeah. It invites. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a beautiful invitation. And, and, and so the not all, like, so for the people who, a lot of the people who are worried about concerning the mood are often uh, cis men, social, socializes men being taught that to seduce people, you have to lead, you have to, you have to direct, you have to be the force of opposition. Mm-hmm. That way of offering 
expressing the desire, stating it. I want to do that with you right now. Mm-hmm. And then asking, would you be open to that? How would that feel? Yeah. What do you say? Like, that's a way to invite explicitly for the surrender without losing any of that drive that does turn a lot of people on right like yeah. we've been socialized in a rather heteronormative society it makes a lot of sense that our sexuality f- follows these patterns for a lot of people yeah. uh, and, and not for everybody uh, of course but this is a yeah this is a cool way that works for me and i know a lot of people we appreciate that yeah absolutely no i'm so glad that we talked about that you heard it here people consent is sexy it is absolutely Uh, Well, thank you so much for the time today and for kind of going so deep with us on the things that are on your path, the things that have been very transformative and informative for you, Valentin. I really appreciate that. Um, what What is the best way for people to reach out to you if they're interested in the work that you do? And also what's if there's anything super alive for you right now, any big projects that you want to share? Just give us the details. Yeah. So the best way to follow me. And so Instagram, as you mentioned, Reels, uh, that's where I post the most content. It's the best way to be update, up to date on the workshops I offer and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my handle is Awake and Sexy because mm-hmm. uh, the initial themes are consciousness and sexuality, right? Yeah. Um, and otherwise, my web, my website's uh, awakensexy.com. Okay. Uh, or you can also find me listed as a practitioner on the website of the IFS Institute. Uh, and anything big alive right now, not so much. I'm kind of focused inward. Yeah. I'm still accepting new clients uh, and I'm still offering workshops. I'm actually teaching the a workshop on sexy constant skills tomorrow. Oh, nice. Uh, but I'm not currently in the process of uh, yeah, developing something new or, or, or changing something. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this space and for being willing to educate people on these things. I think it's it's so important and it's something that I'm passionate about as well. So thank you for your time and the awesome. work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. And one of the things that I would love to enlist your help with is getting some more rates and reviews for this beautiful little show that I am enjoying putting out for all of you. If you have a moment and you feel so inclined, I would be indebted and grateful if you would go to either iTunes or Spotify and give me some feedback and hopefully it's five star. So if you're enjoying sexual alchemy, spend a little time to do that for me. It would be a great help to me and it would mean the world. Have a beautiful week.